What is up? My name is Kevin Wu and I'm an online fitness coach who helps men in their 20s lose weight and get ass for the first time through mindset, nutrition, and training. That's enough about me. Let's get right into today's episode. Hey, what's going on? Today is Tuesday. That means a hop on another Zoom call. You know the drill. And we're answering a couple of things that our clients are asking about the week. So principles about how hard to go after being sick, making up for missed workouts in those rare cases. How dare you miss a workout? How to do a proper leg curl, shout out to you, Mark. Different supplements slash vitamins and foods and the benefits of what we not know, might not know about them. For example, like cinnamon, it has health properties to really help reduce blood sugar levels and help manage those ones. How does artificial ingredients and sweeteners affect fat loss? Is it bad to drink any drinks and diet pops? So we're gonna go dive right in. Let's go dive into the first one over here. Basically talking about principles on getting back or how hard you should work out after being sick. Now, as much as we kind of want to go 100%, this might not always be the case, right? Especially if it's prolonged sick over there, like, you know, a week, two weeks, heck, maybe three weeks, something like that, you probably wouldn't be able to lift nearer any more weights that you normally did, right? So you definitely want to warm up over here. Like, I remember not when I had the COVID and got back to weights, but when I was working out at home and couldn't use the actual gym weights for such a long time itself, like months on end, and going back to regular gym, like all my lifts for those weights went down, right? But that's not exactly me being sick. That was just me not doing the same routines and those exercises and also not being able to lift as heavy just to limit equipment. I had unlimited load, right? I only had up to, I only had two 85 pound dumbbells and adjustable bench. So, and some resistance bands, like literally all I had to work with. So I had to be really creative, but I couldn't create nearly as much load on my body that I normally did in gym. And it was kind of like the same kind of scenario of being sick in the regards of my muscles not being stimulated. It's that same amount. All right, hopefully it makes sense. All right, so you definitely want to warm up and prioritize warming up before your workouts. So what I'm warming up is doing your foam rolling and dynamic stretching. So if you foam roll your back, I actually like to do this every single day. Uh, just as is really kind of makes me feel better. You know, scientific studies don't really show much to it, but I definitely kind of feel the difference and maybe that placebo playing that role and really, you know, be almost placebo works really well, but I just feel a lot better, more mobile and I feel like you get deeper stretch of muscle. So always, always foam roll and that crack in my back. I don't know. It's maybe it's like, a, I, I kind of pinpoint that to making me feel better as well. All right, dynamic stretching. So that's stretching basically where you're not coming in and out of movement. So if I kind of wave my hands back and forth or bring coming in and out of a stretch. So if I go, let's say, put my hand against the wall, take my right foot forward, step in, step out to stretch my chest, that's dynamic. So that's what you want to do. You don't want to do static stretching, like holding, let's say, your arm across your body, like that typical one you're going to see in Nike commercials, because that's going to actually inhibit your performance in the gym and actually increase your chance of injury so you want to do dynamic stretching only and that's regardless of if you are sick or not but that's just period before you work out all right so with that being said doing more warm sets as usual or not usual as normal so let's say before i do two work or warm-up sets before going to my first working set now i'm going to do three to four warm sets before my actual working sets. And I would start with your first working set too as well, because you guys should be tracking your numbers on some kind of fitness app or log or notebook or your notes on your app on your phone. Use a lighter load than last time, like your previous max. So let's just say you had 100 or 225 pounds 
on the bench press, right? That's basically two plates over here. Actually, let's go with the dumbbell bench press because numbers are going to be a little bit easier to work with. So you're benching 100 pounds on each side with the dumbbells, which is quite a bit. Now, what you want to do, that was before, let's say for 10 reps, now you're going to want to use like 85 pounds, right? 50% lower itself, so 85% of the max, or what you kind of did before. So if you're doing 100 pounds before, and you wrote that in your logbook, you did 10 reps. Now I'm going to grab 85 pounds from our first working sets and kind of see how you feel from there, right? Now, if you're really sick for a long, longer time, maybe can you go even lighter, 30% lighter and see how you really feel. But 15% generally seems to be like a good number over there of what you kind of worked up to kind of the last time. Right now, obviously, the more time you took off, probably the more lighter you have to go with that 30%. So grabbing a 70 pounds and 700 pounds, if last time you touched that exercise like three weeks ago or a month ago or something like that, right? And it's all about judgment over here, right? Because you're not exactly going to know how we feel. And sometimes even after a bad night's sleep, you might not feel as strong to as well. Because obviously, if we could add one rep or do 500 pounds every single time you actually do go in the gym, I'd be benching like, you know, 7,000 pounds over here or something like that. But it's just not how our body kind of works. And we only have limits to as well based on genetics. But the point is how we feel is obviously dictate um, a little bit different from day to day. And with programming and with working out, so we're trying to minimize those variables, right? Minimize variables is like eating the same amount of calories, protein, carbs, fats, eating the same amount of those ones, right? Sleeping at the same time, right? And having the same kind of, sleeping habits or sleeping patterns over there so you slept at like you know 11 p.m you're gonna stick with 11 p.m instead of sleeping at like 2 a.m one day then 12 uh, a.m the next day then i don't know 4 a.m because you went on partying and you didn't come back so like all those variables can definitely throw you off so working out to really building as much muscle as you can losing as much fat is honestly kind of boring if you put in perspective of patterns and just doing those repetitions and trying to do it over and over again and having as many of those perfect days and in that regards that's what truly gets those most results possible and that is the quote-unquote boring work but that is truly what you know actually gets those results over there and that's why it's um very easy in the standpoint of if you look at it it's like wow that seems so simple but doing it is a hard part right sticking with that all right so Next up is making up for a missed workout session, those rare cases. Now, this really depends on your calendar and your workout schedule. So I'm going to give an example here. Like you're working out four days a week on the upper-lower split. Let's say Monday you did upper, Tuesday lower, Thursday did upper, Friday did lower. If you missed the Thursday's workout, which should be an upper workout, then I would just move over those days by one. So by this is Friday, you're going to hit the upper now. And Saturday, you're going to hit the lower body to make up for it. This would be the best example of this case scenario. But now a general rule of thumb is for any workout split you do, is you don't want to go more than three days in a row, right? So if let's say you did like a push pull lies kind of split itself and you kind of like miss it or something like that, you're trying to just jam another in on top of that. And it ends up being like four days in a row to really make up for it. I wouldn't do that. I would just kind of reset that cycle again. Follow what's on your calendar over there. Even if you skipped like one push day and you just did like another pull day and a leg day itself and you missed kind of one for the week and just recycle. Because the next following week itself, you're going to be all reset into that routine anyways, right? And the recovery day in between is going to give you more benefits than just hitting that other workout as much as you think it is, right? Because our body doesn't just need to recover in terms of muscle recovery standpoint. It needs to recover in terms of like central nervous system standpoint too as well, right? So our CNS system, I think it's that more recovery 
in that aspect, and which is why we can't just hammer and hammer and hammer it, even though we might hit a different body part, right? So our body is very, very unique in that way. And we definitely got to give it the proper rest. And I personally didn't do that in the past. And I really paid the price for it. I was achy all the time. I was sore all the time. I got sick all the time. Like I had a running nose. I didn't really know why, like all the time itself. And I got a lot more sick, just like fevers, coughs, everything like that. And I, I just thought it was me. Like I thought it was like a genetic thing, but I didn't realize I was just overtraining my body. All right. So don't make that mistake. All right, how to do a proper leg curl. Now, this is also something that I struggle with a lot in the past. Like my my legs would never grow for life again. I hated working my legs because of that one. Once I kind of learned like this specific cue for the leg curls, because there's really not too many exercises that really work your hamstrings in a lot of different motions. So it's really like a Romanian deadlift kind of or stiff, only like stiff leg deadlift. So that's basically a hip hinging at your hips like Romanian deadlift kind of style, you just barbell or dumbbell, or you could work it in another kind of field, uh, basically where you bend your knees backwards, and that's a line leg curl or a seated leg curl, right? There's really not too many machines or kind of exercise for them. There's a dumbbell leg curl you could do, but it's absolutely terrible. If you try to set up for it, it's really, really hard, and the amount of weight you're limited to as well, and just it's terrible kind of exercise, unless the only thing you really have is dumbbells itself then maybe i'd kind of add that in and i rarely do that all right so with line leg curl itself i have a very special cue that i use and once i found this one out helped me out tremendously so it's squeezing my glutes so what that does is a line leg curl is one that you face down over there and you're trying to basically kick your legs up towards your butt uh a keynote to as well don't actually kick it all the way up to the pad where it hits your butt because he's telling people to swing it really hard and hits their butt and then bounces back off. You lose so much tension off your hamstrings just doing that. And you're pretty much using your lower back because when you use all momentum and you swing with all that force, your lower back, it kind of comes off over there. And this is why squeezing your glutes, number one, is going to press your quads into that pad. And then you just want to use your hamstrings the whole way through. So think of your hamstrings almost like a bicep, like when you flex your bicep really hard, you want to think exactly the same thing with the hamstring in this exercise, right? Squeeze those glutes. That's going to make you more stable. And you're not going to explore on the way up. You're going to do it nice and controlled over there. Because I know this is a very, very common mistake, and I see it all the time, and I go, how I can tell right away if someone's really exploding. But one, it's going to be a really fast movement, but the, if someone can do it really fast, but also kind of control, well, not really fast, but faster and have a control. But if that pad, because there's two kind of, well, there's one pad on the right like, by your ankles. If I notice that the pad on your ankles kind of moves and rocks back and forth. So if it's starting at the pretty much ankles and it moves all the way to like your calves now, that pad, that just shows me that your hamstring is not doing the work and you're using too much momentum over there, right? So that's a good way to tell, right? If that pad that's supposed to be in your ankle over there moved to like your calves, right? If that thing hold really moving a lot, that means you're probably doing it wrong or not very effectively. And I personally did that for a long time and my hamstrings would not grow for life for me. So don't make that mistake over there. If you are doing it right now, just fix that and I guarantee you see more growth on that. All right. So seated ham leg curl. This one is a cue I like to use is actually put my hands out in front. So I actually learned this cue from the biggest person I've ever seen in my life in person. So when I was back in like 2018, I went to Gold's Gym Venice, so a very classic one where Arnold worked out. And then I was met with a lot of people or saw a lot of people and I literally saw the biggest human being I've ever seen in person in my life. I was like, holy crap. 
So I went up to him too as well and introduced myself. And yeah, well, yeah, I said hi. Followed him on Instagram and he was posting a lot of tips itself. And he actually showed me one of this tip itself. So you put your hands in front of the chair, you grab yourself into it, you pull yourself into it. So when you come down, you don't want to kick and explode just like the lion flight curl I mentioned, right? You want to use control. So think of it like a bicep again, just squeezing your bicep, flexing as hard as you can. If you pretty much notice yourself scoot forward, then you're probably using too much weight that you can't handle. Because if you scoot forward, that tension goes in your lower back, right? A lot of people, they're going to end up pretty much all the way kind of forward itself. And that's because they use a long lower back and you might, might wonder why you have lower back pain. And this might be contributing to that, right? On top of all the other exercises you've done, doing perfectly over there, right? The goal with machines, especially, is supposed to be isolating your one muscle. Right. So that's what machines kind of purposes are. They're designed to really isolate certain muscles. And that's why a lot of people with injuries or people as they get older or even retired bodybuilders, they pretty much just stick with machines because they beat themselves up so much with the barbells and the dumbbells and all those free weights. Now they really have to be cautious and just really use one joint movements and really focus on dialing one muscle. Right. And that's how they're able to keep good mind muscle too as well and also not injure themselves. Right. But you can injure yourself, obviously, if you're not doing it right. So put your hands out in the front of the seat, pull yourself in the chair. And then I like to put my chin down personally too as well. That's a cue I found that helped me out. And just squeeze as if you're squeezing your biceps there, nice and slow. But you're not trying to explode down, trying to do it nice and slow, squeezing your hamstrings the whole time. There, and then coming all the way up. So that's two cues, or actually a couple of cues I just threw out over there, both leg curls. And those are pretty much the two leg curls that you see at every single gym or pretty much like ever, there's very few gyms that have like a kneeling leg curl or like a standing leg curl, right? So those are the two other ones that you might ever see, but very, very rare like the flying leg curl or a ham curl or leg curl is gonna be the top two you'll ever run into. All right, so different supplements for vitamins, foods and the benefits. Let's go dive right into the first one. So pineapple, pineapple is very unique itself. It has a digestive enzyme that helps break down protein, which is really cool. Right. So pineapple also tastes amazing too as well. I have it every single day. I do eat a lot of protein and I'm also trying to really put on some mass too as well. So my digestion is going to be very, very key. Um, especially as I try to put on and eat more food. I really need to make sure all that food is really getting digested properly. And pineapple has, I think it's called bromelain, the digestive enzymes that really helps break down those protein molecules in my stomach and it, it helps out. Also, it's very tasty, like I think I said earlier. All right, cinnamon. Cinnamon is very unique itself. It can help lower the blood sugar levels. And I know cinnamon challenge was a big trend back in the day. I did not personally try it. But adding cinnamon to like oatmeal can be great itself. I remember even adding it to like chicken before ground turkey, even my prep. But I, I only think it tasted pretty decent because I was so deprived of food. I don't know. I don't really think it's going to be great now if I tried it, to be honest. So now I think back on it. But cinnamon is a great one kind of overall. Even if you want to do cinnamon and some water, you can do that. Don't recommend doing the cinnamon challenge again. Black pepper can help with nutrient delivery. So I recommend pretty much adding all, all foods with black pepper, except like oatmeal and some other, you know, stuff like that. But anything like chicken, rice, or actual meat, whole foods, I definitely usually add that itself with the black pepper. Pink Himalayan salt, I use this too as well for all my foods, even my oatmeal. 
which is makes actually taste better too as well. So it has minerals like potassium, magnesium, and some other ones, unlike table salt and a lot of other salts. So it's very unique in that sense where we need salt to balance our water levels and hydration anyways. And most people actually, well, if you work out a lot, you're probably under taking your salt unless you go to like Chinese restaurant where you order one spring roll and you're five times your salt in a day. But in general, kind of wise, where if you're eating really clean, you're probably eating under or not eating enough salt to have the maximum benefits because salt was really demonized itself, especially holding water weights and then all that. And I personally used to believe in that so much when I first started working out and meal planning that I had never used salt at all. I didn't even use any seasonings, didn't use any sauces because I was like, yeah, sodium is bad for you, period. And I all my food tasted like shit because I had zero spices, zero seasoning, zero salt. Zero, zero, everything, right? So it was like baked chicken breast that was super plain, rubbery, and dry with plain broccoli that was boiled. Like that's like the stereotypical one that people kind of see, and like I don't want to ever touch bottom because I think they eat that. And yeah, I get it. All right, turmeric. Turmeric is a unique one. It's a not a cinnamon. It's a spice too as well. Has anti-inflammatory properties. Can help with joint health too as well. I personally don't really like the taste of turmeric at all. So you could, I don't know if you could really want to use some pills or you, you know, find a recipe, maybe in a stew or something that to add that. Uh, kimchi, and I use kimchi every single day. It really helps the gut health. And I'm really trying to have better health, gut health right now because I realize how important the gut health is. And also I screwed up my guts over my prep for my bodybuilding side of things. And I realized a lot of the foods I do right now really trigger it a lot. So I'm really trying to do my best and everything I can to really help as much as possible. Sauerkraut really helps with the gut health too as well. They're both fermented foods, sauerkraut and kimchi. I personally like sauerkraut over kimchi, but I'm using them both itself to really maximize my gut health. Also Greek yogurt, I'm using that too as well. So Greek yogurt has some properties too as well. Probiotics really help with gut health. Now, this all relates to gut health and what does really gut health kind of do. So if you have poor gut health over there, you're not going to be able to digest those foods very properly. You're going to have lower kind of energy levels too as well. You're probably going to break out when we're skin-wise. So your skin's not really clear right now. It probably means you have bad gut health. And also your metabolism. Metabolism plays a big role in your gut, right? So basically about processing the food itself. So if you have a poor gut and gut health, your metabolism is generally lower. And that's going to mean it's going to have a hard time losing fat. So that's why gut health is so important. And there's a lot more other reasons on top of that one. And that is something I did take a toll on, especially uh, on my bodybuilding prep. And stress also plays a negative role in gut health, a very big negative role. And I was definitely stressing my body a lot for my bodybuilding prep, getting that low and doing all the cardio and working so hard and not feeding enough and not recovering. So that's what I'm really trying to do as much as I can for my personal gut health over there. All right, so how does artificial ingredients and sweeteners affect fat loss? Now, this kind of links to the gut health to as well, but not a one-to-one ratio. But artificial sweeteners and ingredients itself, like aspartame or circulose itself, can make it more inflamed, right? So your body might not digest it kind of like fully over there. And then you might ship in like water weight, right? So if you step on the scale next week or uh, next day itself, like I remember one of my friends, he's a coach. He's like a pro classic coach. And then his client itself, I knew him personally, like all of a sudden he shot like 12 pounds in like a week. And then he was super confused. He definitely thought he was changing his diet, but like, like uh, he really drilled in on the client and he was like, no, no, I swear to God. He's like, what else are you doing? He's like going through everything. 
And then he was like using a lot of like stevia, a lot of what is it, Splenda to his wall, having added back sugar-free drinks. So he's having a lot of that stuff, not just like one teaspoon, but like for every single meal. And he shot 12 pounds in a single week, but that was pretty much like all water weight, right? And he pretty much eliminated all that once again. And next following two weeks, it came all back down, right? So this stuff can really affect your gut and how it's being digested and more like the water weight kind of standpoint and holding onto it. So that's something you might have to be aware of in the fact that it might mess with the scale, not necessarily directly kind of fat, but it's going to mess up with the scale weight and also your photos when you check-ins because you're a whole water and that can screw with your mind over there and kind of, you know, throw the perception off. Me personally, if I'm trying to drink some diet pops now, my gut is not handling it very well. Like I get very, very gassy itself. And yeah, like I feel almost feel like almost lethargic like an hour kind of later. And I crave a lot more sweets to his role. That's like right after in a, it's more of like a, like a dying craving of sweets. So that's usually an unhealthy sign of a gut to his wall. If you're craving sweets like all the time, it's really hard to control itself. All right. So with that being said, is it bad to drink any drinks and diet pops? Referring back to the last one, I would just kind of limit myself, right? So if you're having like... I don't know, like a couple of weeks itself, three a week or something like that, every other day, maybe fine. I wouldn't really go all the way to like the one a day, but one a day wouldn't be killing you itself. But if you're definitely having multiple day right now itself, you definitely want to cut it back. So it's always to the extent of how much and quantity, not necessarily just like the food itself or the diet drink itself or the energy drink. All right, so that is it for the end of the stream. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Live to Inspire podcast, the number one podcast for men in the 20s trying to lose weight and get abs the first time. My mission is to inspire others to be the best version of themselves through fitness. So if you guys are tuning into this episode and want to lose weight and get your abs showing for the very first time, then DM me the words abs on Instagram at KevinWoo underscore. That is K-E-V-I-N-W-U-W underscore. And we'll have a chat whether or not I can help you out lose that weight to get your abs showing for the first time. That is the ending of today's episode of the Live to Inspire podcast. If you learned something today, then make sure you hit that subscribe button so you never miss out on an episode. Also, if you leave a written review on this podcast, that'd be greatly appreciated because that pushes this podcast to more people just like you.